found out about that, and he went to Heather, and he said, he said, um, look, here's $100. Anybody that needs help with their prescriptions, if you'll just take care of that. And he said, he talked to, this is the owner of Geraldine Drugs. He said, do not tell a soul that the money came from me. Tell them it's a blessing from God. And so she did, and uh, the next month, first of the month, Hody walked into the drugstore again and pulled uh, uh, Brooke off to the side and said, uh, $100. Anybody that has trouble with their medications, I want you to pay, pay for it, take care of it. Don't, don't dare tell anybody who it's from. Tell them it's a blessing from God. He did that until th- 2022. In 2022, uh, because of his health, he was no longer able uh, to walk, and so he couldn't do it himself. And so he got his daughter, Tanya Nix, and he told her, uh, this is what I'm doing. She had no idea what he was doing. He said, here's the $100. I want you to go in the first of the month, and you give it to them. That way, people who can't afford their medications will be able to afford their medications. And so she said, I, I, Tanya said, I was shocked. I had no idea that he was doing this. So at his funeral on January 5th, the only way people know about it is that his daughter told the story uh, at his funeral on January the 5th. Uh, pharmacist Heather Walker said this, there are so many people in Geraldine who have lived longer because of Hody. Hody was a true, humble servant who will always be loved. I call that a, a, a reset of a mindset, Right? Instead of just complaining about insurance companies and doctors and medicines and all that, Hody found a way to actually get a reboot on that thing and do something about it. You and I need a a reset in our mindset to where when God nudges us that way, we obey and get involved in the lives of people, allow the love of Christ to flow not only to us. We love that, right? Lisa talked sang about it this morning to see the love in heaven's eyes coming down to us. But then he wants to flow through us to see the love of heaven's eyes uh, through our eyes to people who are hurting and need to have a fresh start. If we're going to have a, a reboot, a fresh start, remember Psalm 5110, the message translation, God make a fresh start in me, shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life, then we have to, watch this, choose to change. So everybody say those three words with me, choose to change. Nothing happens until we make a choice to change. And today, uh, I'm going to talk about some hard changes. We're going to talk about changing the difficult things in your life, to change the significant things in your life. Things about, and, and just we're just going to ask the Lord to reveal to each one of us, what's, what's, the, what's the big significant change, reboot, reset He wants to make in our life? It may be in your thought life, maybe in your attitudes, it's probably going to be a sin, right? But it may be in your ways of talking, maybe in your habits or your routines, the way that you uh, treat other people, uh, as I said, thought patterns, all these things. Where is it that God wants to reboot your life? Where is the hard change, the significant change? See, Ephesians 4 says, put off the old man and put on the new man. And the idea there is the idea of changing clothes. Because see, here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been saved, the Holy Spirit comes comes to live in you, Uh, That old way of living doesn't look good on you anymore. It doesn't fit well. You know, you ever ever, try on something and somebody says, man, that that just looks good on you. Or that's a pretty, that doesn't look good on you. Look, unforgiveness doesn't look good on you. Hatred doesn't look, bitterness is a bad fit. 
<laughs> Revenge doesn't go good. Too timid to speak up for Jesus. Doesn't really look, that's really, it doesn't become you. <laughs> and so it's that idea. Put off. Now, if God says put off, then you can count on him giving you the ability to do that. Anytime there's a command, you can expect the grace to do it. So today we're going to talk about how do we make the hard changes, the significant changes for a real reboot in our life. Can we, God, you know, we slash God, can we together with God, can we make the hard changes? And it starts with saying yes to the Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to see my life reflect Jesus more. I want to be a little less like me and a little bit more like Jesus. So I want to talk about two big deals today. And if, you, if you'd like to take notes, there's an outline on the, on the back of your bulletin. And you'll see two big deals with three subpoints under each big deal. So first of all, we're going to talk about why. Why is it so hard? To make the change. Why is it so hard to change the, the, the hard things? Because here's the truth. Some of those things you know. And as I said, I'm praying God brings some to our mind today. The way we talk, the way we treat people, attitudes, habits, thought life, whatever it is. Um, I want to, you know, the reason we know that a lot of times that it's wrong and we want to change it and the reason we haven't is because it's hard. <laughs> right? If it was easy, you'd already changed it, right? You'd already done it. But it, why? let's just ask the question, why is it so hard to change? Number one is because we've had them for a long time. Typically, the hard things are things of the attitudes, the language, the way we talk, all this kind of, uh, the way we treat people, how we're on mission with Jesus. A lot of times, the reason why it's so hard to change some of these things is we just had them a long time. Maybe it was the way you were raised. Maybe you learned some things from your parents that weren't exactly the way you should be acting or treating people. Um, maybe you had some trauma or stress in your life when you were little and you really didn't really know how to process that, didn't know how to respond to that, so you did whatever you knew to do. But now that you're grown up, you realize those, those are self-defeating behaviors, those are unhelpful behaviors, those are unproductive behaviors. And so, and so you, you, you're, just, you're just used to doing this. Your default is to go to here. Look what Ephesians 4.22 says, New Living Translation. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. You see, it's a former way of life. We are saved by grace. There's nothing we can do to, to, to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to contribute to our salvation. But when Christ comes in, he starts changing us. He starts putting a new heart, a new life, a new motives, new dreams, new desires, new, new ambitions in our life. We are new. We don't, look, we don't have to live the old way. I was talking to my dad this last week, and he was telling me about a time when he was... Um, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. And, and he grew up on a farm. He and my grandfather farmed cotton. Uh, was what they did was their money, their cash crop, and they raised corn for meal and all that kind of stuff. And one year, uh, lightning hit their barn and killed one of their horses and knocked the other one crazy. And, uh, I mean, that just, that's, that's like the whole farming equipment. Uh, they didn't have anything to plow, anything to plant with, plow with. And so they were, uh, it's about, he said about a year before the crazy horse ever got his senses back to where he could actually plow again. This is knocking for a loop. And so, uh, uh, so this is big, you know. So it's like, man, we're almost shut down here by one strike of lightning. So a neighbor let them borrow a mule. And he said, my grandmother, grandfather never liked mules. He liked horses, but he let him borrow a mule. And daddy said that the thing about the mule was, 
he'd ride him out, he'd ride him to the field, and he said, every time I got on him, he'd throw me. Get on him, he throws you, get back on him, you ride him. <laughs> so he said, I learned just to kind of get on him when he bucked. I'd just hop off, <laughs> and then I'd get back on. We'd, everything's fine, no problem there. Look, don't be mule-headed. <laughs> don't keep acting in an unproductive way. Don't think that that sinful nature has a hold on you. When the Bible says throw it off, you can depend on God to help you throw it off. Second reason why it's hard is that we tend to identify with them. We tend to say things like this. Well, that's just who I am. It's just the way I am. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it the way God wants you to be? So the question is not, this is how I am. The question with hope is, how does God want you to be? People may say something like, well, I'm just a workaholic, or I'm just passive, or I'm just timid, or I'm an overeater, or I'm shy, or I talk too much, or I'm a procrastinator. You see, you, I don't like saying that's what I am. That's not who you are. If you're a Christian, you are a child of God. You've been born again with the Holy Spirit living in you. I would rather say I am a Christian who tends to procrastinate. I'm a Christian who tends not to speak up when I need to. I'm a Christian who tends to talk too much about other people. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I tend to do that, but that's not who I am, and I don't have to do that. Don't identify with your bad behaviors. Look at Ephesians 4.23. Instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Let Him renew your thoughts. You don't have to think that way. If He renews your thoughts, what does He say? Instead of saying, this is who I am, you can say, praise God, that is, that is who I used to be. It's not who I am anymore, and I don't have to give in. I don't have to go that direction anymore. There is hope, there is life, and by God's grace, I will change. Not I would like to, not even I would want to. Today I pray that as God identifies that thing in your life that, that we need to change, I, I, I pray by God's grace we would say, I will with God's grace make a change and have a reboot and a refresh in my life. The third thing I would say is that they, they have a payoff. These bad behaviors, whatever they are, you do them for a reason. Now this stings when you really think about it. There's a reason for those behaviors. See, whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. That's why when the child goes through the, you, take, you have your little one, and they, you know, the satanic people to put all the trinkets by the register where your child can see them and try and grab them, right? And so your child starts screaming, and so you finally give it and give it to them. That's why they scream again the next time, because you rewarded them. For the, that's not what you thought you were doing. You thought you were just trying to have some peace of mind, right? But whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. And so what we want to do is to make sure we ask ourselves, what reward am I getting out of this? And it takes some real honesty, guys. Sometimes it's sympathy. Uh, sometimes it's attention. Uh, sometimes as you get out of a responsibility, you escape uh, a hard conversation you need to have. You don't have to discipline somebody. You get some temporary relief. You just want to have some fun? And I remember several times in my life after I first learned this, this concept and getting in a bad state of mind and asking myself, it's a tough question, how am I being rewarded here? What am I getting out of this? Let me give you an example. Um, I, growing up, I learned 
when things weren't going my way, I would sulk. Learned that from some people in my life. And, uh, and what do you get out of that? What do you get out of sulking? Well, what you want is attention, right? You want some sympathy. You want somebody to say, oh, poor you. And so uh, Laura doesn't sulk. Laura talks. <laughs> a surprise, isn't it? And she's helped me a lot in this way because I remember one time earlier in our marriage, I was sulking about something, and, um, and Laura said, uh, is something bothering you? I was like, no, not really. She said, well, have I done anything to upset you? Said, no. And, uh, and so she said, well, can I help you with anything? No. And she said, okay. Well, then if I can, let me know. And she just started going around the house doing her little happy stuff. And I thought, well, that's no fun. <laughs> supposed to ask me a few more times, you know. You're supposed to kind of pat me on the back. Oh, dear, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I learned that that childish behavior, the reward was attention. The reward. And, and, it, and, the, re, and the, the reason I would do that, I had, to re, I had to kind of dig in to ask myself, is I don't like to admit that when my feelings get hurt. I don't like to admit something didn't go my way and I'm angry about it. I don't like to have hard conversations. And so she's really, really helped me with that area of my life. And so ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? The fourth thing is Satan discourages us. He wants to keep you down, doesn't he? Satan wants to keep you locked in that old lifestyle. He wants that, that old habit, that old routine, that old way of relating, that old way of thinking, that old way of talking. Satan wants to whisper to you, there's nothing you can do about it. You've always been that way, and you'll always be that way. You'll die that way. And that's a lie from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.27. Nor give place to the devil. The word devil means accuser or slanderer. And that's what he loves to do. You'll never change. You can't do any better. There's no way you could do that. There's no way God can use you. There's no way God's going to uh, allow you to, to, to have some kind of ministry or to help somebody else toward Christ. He's always accusing. And giving place means listening to and believing his lie. When you listen to, when you entertain it and you believe it, that's when you start giving place to the devil. You start giving in to the devil. You see... Um, think about those thoughts that come sometimes. You could never do that. that. You'll never amount to anything. Whatever the negative stuff is that comes in your life, the ungodly stuff that comes in, let me ask you something. Would you ever choose to think that way? I mean, why would you choose to think that way, right? Why would I choose to think, man, I'm just a loser and, um, you know, God can't use me and I'll always be this way and there's no way I can change. It, if you, if you would not choose, and I don't know anybody, I don't know why in the world we'd want to think that way, then where did that thought come from? Come from the enemy. You've got to recognize, recognize he deals in lies and God deals in truth. And so, and by the way, if you're a Christian right now, you know some ways you've changed. And so you could just right now just have a little celebration right there in your own heart and uh, just kind of thank God right now for an area of your life that he's changed. Why don't you just do that? Just, just thank God right now for an area of your life that he's changed. Uh, some addiction, language, joy, peace, parenting, marriage, some of that, and just say, Lord, thank you that you changed that. And this thing that you're revealing me this morning, I thank you that you're going to change that as well. This leads us to my second point. What does God say takes to change him? What does it take 
to reboot? What does it take for a fresh start? What does it take? It takes a different mindset, right? How do we do this? Well, let me mention the three things. First of all, you have to learn and face the truth. You have to learn and face the truth. You see, me with my sulking, I had to recognize that that's, it's a sin, really, because I'm lying, so nothing's wrong when it is. Um, I'm seeking approval in a bad way. And so you have to learn and face it. This is the truth about what I'm doing. As long as we make excuses, we can't, we're not going to change much. You've got to be willing to be humble enough before God to say, God, show me the truth about myself. Even if it hurts, even if it's difficult, show me the truth about myself because what? A lot of times we'd rather pretend and stay comfortable than we had really changed to be like Jesus. Look at Isaiah 30.10, New Century Version. This is the people in Isaiah's day. They tell the seers, don't see any more visions. They say to the prophets, don't tell us the truth. Say things that will make us feel good. Everybody say feel good. And see only good things for us. Is that what you want? I mean, you want that from your doctor? Just things make you feel good? <laughs> you're going to have a heart attack next week, but he says, oh, you're doing great. You're fine. You're going to live to be 100. You don't want that from your mechanic. You know, your brakes are about to fail. Your mechanic says, oh, I don't want to cost you any money. Everything's going to be fine. You don't want that from your dentist or from your accountant. And you really owe it to yourself. You really owe it to yourself to say, what is the wise thing to do? What's the best place to change? What is it that God's trying to help me change? And as I said, it takes a lot of humility. Uh, Sometimes God speaks through people, especially moms, (laughs) right? If your mom keeps telling you something, understand moms are oftentimes God's messenger. Your children are oftentimes God's messengers to you. Your spouse oftentimes are God's messengers to you. An unchristian, ungodly person can reveal something about yourself to you. They might do it in a hurtful way, an aggravating way, in a mean way, but sometimes it's God's messenger to say, hey, wake up, here's an area of your life that needs to change. And so you want to... Learn to face the truth. Don't rationalize. Don't excuse. You know, rationalize is telling yourself rational lies, right? So don't rationalize. Don't justify. Learn to face the truth because here's the truth. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We all have something to face this morning. If you're here today and you're here listening to me preach and you're thinking, I just don't think I got anything. Uh, Pride is your biggest one. Okay, it's self-deception right behind, right behind. We all have something, okay? And so we have to look at 1 John 1, 8, and the Living Translation says what? If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so in Sunday school this morning, a lot of us studied the um, woman caught in adultery. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What's he say? I'm not condemning you for your sin, and I'm going to help you. Walk out of it. I'm going to help you walk away from it. And so, I love what Rick Warren said. He said, in your life, behind every self-defeating defect or sin is a lie that you're believing. It's a lie about God. It might be a lie about happiness. It might be a lie about yourself. It might be a lie about your past. It might be a lie about what success is or what other people think or your failures, what you can or cannot do. But learning to face the truth is one of the most loving things you can do for yourself and the people around you. So where do you find the truth about yourself? You go to God's Word, right? 
You spend time with the Lord. You spend time with the Maker. You spend time with Him. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God. This is New Living Translation. It's useful to teach us what is true. Make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. There's no book like this book. This is the only inerrant authoritative uh, book that we have. And, this is, and the reason we read it is to hold our lives, up, our, our lives up to a mirror. And we see the nature of God. He's the main character. We see how God is for us, not against us, what God did for us in Christ. But we also see this is the way God designed us to live. I love the way one person put it. What the Bible helps us to do is to know the path to walk on, where we got off, how to get back on, and then how to stay on it. That's basically what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. Here's the path. Here's where you got off. Here's how you get back on. Now here's how to stay on the path. Second thing, though, lasting change requires new thinking. So we learn to face the truth. Get before God. Ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Learn to face and hear the truth. And then it requires new thinking. The battle for change is often won in your mind. Look at Ephesians 4.23. Instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You see, one of the challenges about your life and mine is to think about my life the way God thinks about my life. To see my life from God's perspective. To see God as who He really is and then thinking differently. I told you the story of a guy named Robert Reed last week. Robert Reed has cerebral palsy. Uh, he was confined to a wheelchair, couldn't even dress himself uh, for years until somebody invented Velcro and he sewed Velcro on his clothes and he, he could dress himself that way. Uh, just needed a lot of help. But ended up going as a missionary to Portugal. And uh, one of the things he said was, and, and when he talked, he, he, he said it sounded like a, a recording that was dragging. You know, it was on like one and a half speeds. You know, it was just slow and dragging. It was hard to understand. And yet he was a missionary. When he retired from being a missionary for 21 years, he started the ministry at his local jail. <laughs> and he said this, cerebral palsy is a great way of sharing Christ. Now, that's thinking about it from God's point of view, right? Because when this American is stationed with a wheelchair in a park, sitting there by himself in, in uh, Portugal, people come by and like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and at the beginning, he couldn't even speak Portuguese. He, he just had some booklets and tracts and things to, hang out, to hand out. You can think about some of the weaknesses of your life, some of the hard places of your life, some of the things that you might think is a disability of your life may be a great way to talk about Jesus. See it from God's point of view. You know, a lot of times we, we say, you know, I have to do this, you know, go to church, treat people right, forget what. We need to learn to move from a have to to a get to and even more to I want to. <laughs> I want to be more like Christ. I want to be who God wants me to be. I don't want to live in the way that I used to live. Now, in the hard stuff, God changes our thinking from I can't to he will. Look, listen to me. If you've been drifting off, come back right for, for, for just a second. If you really want to reboot in your life, it requires thinking out of your thinking to God's thinking. Instead of saying, I can't, we say what? God will enable me to do this. Okay? Not I can't, God will enable me to do this. It's too hard. Well, instead of saying it's too hard, you could say, this might be hard, but it's not too hard for God. You might say, well, that really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you could say this way. Well, it does make me uncomfortable, but doing this God's way will be worth it in the end. 
okay? You might think, well, this makes me nervous. Well, you might say to yourself, nobody's really ever died, I think, from being nervous. <laughs> I came close three or four times. <laughs> it's, one of my, it's one of my deals right there. And this will, look, I might be nervous, yeah, but this will help me and somebody else get closer to Jesus. So instead of saying, well, I might get nervous or I might be scared or I might be uncomfortable, just say, yeah, I might be, but God will be with me, will enable me, and it will be worth it in the end. I don't think I can go through this. Well, change it to I don't want to go through this, but I'm sure glad God's going to walk every step of the way with me. Amen? Do you see how those are reboots in your brain? Reboots in your brain? Then the last one is this. Lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. Lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can do on your own. I hope I've said that well throughout the message this morning. Lasting change is not self-improvement. It's not positive thinking. It's not pull yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, bootstraps, grit your teeth, and do the best you can. It's not what I'm talking about. Look at Zechariah 4.6 in the New International Version. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, the Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. How in the world are you going to go through that? Well, it's not by might or by my power, but by the spirit. How in the world are you going to accomplish that? Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit. You're really going to obey that nudge from the Lord and maybe be uncomfortable and maybe be embarrassed? Yeah, how? I'm not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So here's your weekly suggestion, your weekly growth suggestion. Memorize Zechariah 4.6. And if you want to just do the second half, I'll give you credit for it. If you want to start with not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, you can start there. Uh, and identify one area in your life this week that needs changing and submit it to the Lord. And then just start quoting that scripture over it. Now, I know sometimes it's hard to memorize scriptures. And I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up and quote it. But here's the thing. If you'll just try, it helps. Because your mind's on the scripture. If you'll just pray that scripture over your quiet time, pray that scripture over that area that needs to be changed. Claim that scripture over that weakness in your life and just continue to pray that. If, if you write it out, carry it around with you, it really, really helps a lot. Look in 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's be the last verse and then we'll get ready to close. But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, watch this, we become more and more like Him. It's not an instant process. When God makes a mushroom, it takes Him six hours. God makes an oak tree, it makes 60 years. You want to be a mushroom or oak tree? <laughs> it takes a long time to develop character traits, right? It's a long time to develop Christ's likeness. It's a lifelong journey. So this morning, don't get discouraged if, uh, if God reveals an area of your life and at the end of the next week, it's not perfect, Okay? Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. We're on a journey. We're on a journey with Jesus. He is going to walk every step of the way with us. So learn to walk with Christ, submitting things to him, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I was out, uh, some people call it hiking. I call it rambling. Um, I like to go hiking sometimes. And a few weeks ago, I was out hiking in the forest, and I Right about halfway, and I was going, I, I, I walk around here, you know, for an hour or so in, in, during, during the week, but about once a week, once every other week, I like to go for a long walk. And so I was in the forest, and I was about halfway in to, to, to what's long for me. Um, 
I'm an hour and a half in and about halfway point, okay? And I come up to this ditch that I've been at before, and I always just hop across it, whatever. But it was like the Jordan River at flood stage. <laughs> it had overflowed its banks. And so I'm out there, and I mean, y'all, I'm almost exactly halfway. And uh, I was disappointed <laughs> because now i got two choices. I can either walk back the same way I came in, which I didn't want to do because I've already walked through there. I want to see something new, something different. Or I can try to figure out a way across the uh, Jordan. Now, it really was, it, how wide it was, it was about three feet further, maybe four feet further, and I thought I could jump. And the other side is deeper, you know. It's, it's about halfway to my shins, about halfway to my knees, and I didn't want to walk another hour and a half with wet shoes and britches on. So I have a walking stick for snakes and spider webs. And so I thought, well, I could use that kind of like a pole vault. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? Man, when I was 10 years old, I could pole vault over some stuff. And so I thought, well, I could get my hand on top of that. There's a piece of wood right there. And, um, and so I decided. Now, what I did not do was sit down and say, well, I'm disappointed, I'm discouraged, and I'll just quit. Why? Well, I didn't have any food with me. <laughs> I didn't have my fan to plug in so I could sleep at night. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a water bottle, just one. Uh, I didn't want to spend a night in the woods. And even if I called somebody to come get me, I still got to walk out, you know, just a trail. And see, this is what happens to Christians too many times. Something discourages them or it's not what they thought, not what they wanted. So they just sit down. Don't sit down. That is the worst thing to do is just sit down and give up. And so I decided to, I'd try jumping it. I told you I was thought about four feet further than I could jump. I used my walking stick, and it turns out with the walking stick, it's about three feet further than I could jump. <laughs> and so uh, I was wet up to my, almost up to my knees, and uh, it really wasn't very bad at all. I just walked and it dried out in just a little bit. See, here's the thing, guys. Probably as I preach today, an area has come to your mind that you know God wants you to change. And you know God wants you to claim, not by power, not by might. You know God doesn't want you to sit down and give up. God doesn't want you to live there. God doesn't want you to say, well, this is just where I'm at, you know. God wants you to get up take a step. In fact, maybe that area has come to your mind so much, you're just like, I wish you'd quit already. I got it. <laughs> well, let's, let's stand, if you will, please. The head's bowed and eyes closed. And let's take that air. Maybe it's secret. Maybe nobody else knows about it. And maybe it's something that you just got so comfortable with, you, you just kind of accepted this is the way life is. Would you be willing to believe God again and say, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit? Would you be willing to take Ephesians 4 seriously and say, I'm not going to give place to the devil. I'm not going to believe a lie. I'm going to put off the old way of living and thinking and put on the new man, be renewed in my mind about how God thinks about my life. Fathers, we bow in prayer. We pray, God, today that you would help us to choose to make the hard changes. Help us to choose, Lord, your way, depending on your power and your spirit to help, that we would be more like Jesus, more like Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, Lisa begins to play softly. If you've never been saved, that's the first step. First step always to give your heart and life to Christ. Be glad to talk with you about that. If you have been saved, um, 